in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I think most people can relate to this. Um, tell me if this works for you guys, for everybody. I think I've been, <coughs> excuse me. No. If you are a boss or if you work for a boss, maybe you've seen this, maybe you've participated in this, but have you ever had somebody, seen somebody who worked at a company and all of a sudden, for whatever reason, maybe it was a long time coming, maybe it was uh, maybe just overnight something flipped, but they decided they didn't like somebody. They did not. There was an employee at an organization and they decided this guy's got to go. And um, what do you do? You follow them around and you try to catch them making a mistake, right? Often. And then maybe it's not a big mistake. It's a bunch of little ones. You start documenting everything the person does wrong, right? Every time they show up late, you write it up, okay? Third time, then we give them a verbal warning. Then we give them a written warning. Then, okay, you set all those things in motion. Now, what did they do wrong? Whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, for whatever reason, the boss said, we don't want this person around anymore. Find a justification to get rid of them. Happens all the time, okay? Everyone's covering their ass, right? So you document it all, yeah, especially these days, all right? It's very difficult to fire somebody. You got to document it. You got to – I kind of think that that's really kind of what happened to Trump when he got – when he became president. You think that he's the boss of the country? He's the boss of the government? No, not really. He's an employee in many ways – an employee without the protections that so many other people have when they work for the government. Great big target on his back. You ever see the manuals, the rule books in the government? (laughs) You could go to the moon. You could stack them up. They'd go as high as the Empire State Building. All kinds of rules, all kinds of things they could try to get you on. This latest thing with the archives, the documents where they handled a 1,000% perfectly, who knows? But they're trying to get them on a technicality. And um, if you look at these uh, procedures and these rules, oh, boy, it's like a dirty cop following somebody in a small town. The moment that they want to pull somebody over, the moment that person doesn't come to a complete stop at a stop sign. Do you come to a complete stop at a stop sign in a quiet town when there's no traffic? In Garden City, my hometown in Long Island, if it's midnight and I'm going down 3rd Street, and I'm at Cathedral Avenue. Do I come to a complete stop? Not really. I just kind of look left and right. I see there are no cars. Basically, most stop signs are yield signs. Now, a cop could pull you over for that. And you could they could put you through all that. They could give you a hard time. That's what they are doing to Trump day in and day out while he was president, since he left. Does that make sense? Because that's what's happening. Now, there's a <coughs> – in addition to all the traitors we know about – People like Vinman, people like um, uh, Mike Esper, John Kelly, you name it. All the people who uh, tried to screw with Trump, sabotage his administration. Um, now we have an uh, unnamed person, somebody who works at Mar-a-Lago. Who knows who it is? The Wall Street Journal says there's basically an informant there who told the authorities that there were more documents. And, you know, we had a Vinman type, it was possibly a member of the Secret Service, possibly a member of Mar-a-Lago staff. Who the hell knows? But somebody talking to the Justice Department. Hey, this is the same Justice Department that last week indicted the cops who um, were involved in that Brianna Taylor situation. Now, Brianna Taylor, <laughs> what are the cops supposed to do when 
they, they're, they're serving a warrant. And, hey, how about the FBI agents? What if you knocked on the door at Mar-a-Lago and they started shooting at you through the door? Well, I bet you guys would have returned fire, right? Yeah, you would have. Well, that's what these cops did in Louisville. It's what they did in Louisville. And the federal government is actually pursuing them right now. Bad stuff, folks. Really bad stuff. Merrick Garland looks to me like a dirty cop, uh, like the rest of them. You know, I I saw a little skirmish today on Fox News. Um, Steve Ducey, who I really like. I learned a lot about television, actually, from him uh, 20 years ago. and He's uh, very experienced. But lately, is he getting a little woke? Is he getting a little... I don't know what's going on with him, but... And he started to say, well, you know, the FBI agents, they're being criticized. And uh, whatever happened to back the blue? Aren't you guys supposed to be the ones who support the cops? Well, (laughs) backing the blue. Sure, absolutely. Backing the blue in the traditional law enforcement sense. Okay, we are pro law and order. That doesn't mean we're dirty cops. We're for dirty cops. It doesn't mean that. This also, when you back the blue, don't forget that the cops serve us. We don't serve the cops. You know, fascism, I'm always hearing about, they're complaining about the fascism. Joe Scarborough, which accused Trump and Trump supporters of being fascist. No, no, we're not. Um, I don't want to say, you know, Antifa stands for anti-fascist. <laughs> Excuse me, what the hell's going on? You know what I had? Fritos. Frito-Lay. I cannot pass Fritos, a bag of Fritos, and not consume them, not have them for myself. Fritos is possibly my favorite food, my favorite food group. Can I call Fritos a food group? No. Well, it's from the corn chip family. Um, Anyway, so that's what's happening. And he is thriving. Donald Trump is thriving. He is, I told you, I talked to him, right? He is in the middle of this storm. It's interesting. Have you ever been in the middle of uh, a news story? It's happened to me a couple of times, actually, not many, twice, maybe, where I, well, let's face it, you guys know what I'm talking about. That time I was accused back in 2012 and uh, accused of a horrible crime. And um, it's interesting. People would call and I didn't, you know, I took uh, calls from loved ones and close friends, didn't answer the phone for everybody. And they wanted to check it. And they were nervous. They were so kind of, what's going on? And the interesting thing was I was totally calm. Because I knew everything. I knew the facts. I knew what I did. I knew what I didn't do. I knew I did nothing wrong. I was so, and everybody else from the media to my friends, to my enemies, to everybody, the, the, my bosses, you know, they were all, <coughs> they were all guessing. So Trump actually knows the whole scoop. He knows the score. Sandra, do me a favor. What's going on? You're in uh, New Jersey. I got to take a drink of water because of the Frito situation. Okay, so I'll tell you what I was thinking. I was thinking about Bruce Reinhardt. He's 60 years old. He um, was appointed in 2018 the U.S. magistrate. So he only has four years' judicial experience. So he makes this warrant for Trump. Now, I don't believe that he would take this magnitude of a case all by himself without checking with Merrick Garland and, and Joe Biden. So that's what I wanted to say, and I also wanted to say, Merrick Garland, um, I'm glad he didn't get to be on the Supreme Court, because if he did, (laughs) we would be stuck with him for a very long time. Well, look, 
the Judge Reinhardt thing, I am going to, uh, when the FBI comes to you with a <coughs> with an affidavit, you're going to take them at their word. You're going to take them at their, um, you know, what? I don't think judges are in the business of questioning the FBI too much. Sometimes they do, but not all that much. Um, 2018, I don't know if that makes all that much of a difference. The guy has been a, hey, do me a favor. I have got to get something to drink. I, I screwed up my, can I, I got, I got to go. All right. I'll be right back, Sandra. Give me a, can you, can you, can you take me out for a moment? Okay. Thank you. Telling stories, reporting the news, bringing common sense opinion. Red Apple Audio Networks, stories that shape our world. Listen to this podcast now on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Science is golden with James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly. Dr. Michael Gillen, do you think we're going to find an exoplanet with an atmosphere like Earth that we can say, aha, here's our spot, here's where we go in the future, and I do believe that's going to happen. Do you? Yeah, now look, as my dad used to say, let's go over that barefoot. Okay, okay. now, <laughs> there are a lot of misleading headlines about WASP-189b. Okay, this is okay. a star that is about more than 300 light years away from the Earth. So it's really far out there and it's circling a star called HD 133112. Okay, but here's the thing. A lot of the headlines with this said, oh, we've discovered that the WASP-189b has an atmosphere very similar to the Earth. It doesn't. Download all of Red Apple Media's podcasts right now through your favorite podcast platform. Telling stories, reporting the news, bringing common sense opinion. Red Apple Audio Networks, stories that shape our world. Hey, I'm sorry about that. Um, I just uh, I got this little, what do Fritos have in them? They've got those little dots, and I think one of them is lodged right by the back of my tonsil. I tried another handful of um, Fritos thinking it would dislodge the, um... <laughs> jeez, excuse me. All right, I th- oh, I think that did it. I think I'm okay. Sorry about that. Um, August 8th, 2022. Some people are saying it's a lot like, uh, well, another date in history. Cut 41. Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. Yep. A lot of people... (coughs) I am so sorry. What am I going to do? I don't know. I mean, I'll drink some more water. Hold on. Ah, I'm looking at Scott Peterson. He's, I'm going to cough again. All right, wait. Sandra, why don't you finish your thought? Make it a long one. Okay, well, basically I was going to say that I I, I believe that uh, Merrick Garland and and Joe Biden knew about this because I don't think Bruce Reinhardt would take such a big step like this without discussing it with people that have more experience. That was my thought on that. And then I also will say that last night I loved listening to your father. I loved how he says the police will talk with their feet. I think that was very, very powerful. You know, they're leaving in droves, and, and your father's right. He doesn't blame them the way they're treated. So I wanted to comment about that. And I wanted to say I love uh, the picture you had on 
with uh, what's her name? Oh, I forgot her name. She looks like this other person that's like, oh, I forgot her name, so now I feel good. Anyway, so you had a picture. Listen, I'm of, glad um, you're watching the show. I'm glad you're watching. Thank you so I love much. It. I, it's so great. It is, right? It's, so it's a great. special show. It's a unique. It's unlike anything in television. And um, I'm so proud of it. And the team that I got, uh, we're, we're, we're doing something special. Thank you for noticing. Hey, it's not just F- by Sandra. It's not just FDR. It's people all over the place saying that whole thing about a day that will live in infamy. I saw it all over social and big people, uh, just regular people. Cut 42. August 8th. 2022, a date that will live in infamy. In my view, this is a raid that will go down in infamy. It's the 8th of August, a day that will go down in infamy. All right. But Danny from Massapequa was right about Admiral Yamamoto, who said he was afraid after Pearl Harbor that all we did was awaken a sleeping giant. And I did that on the show last night. And people who were not even paying too much attention to politics, I'm told that 58% of independents polled are deeply disturbed by this uh, raid on President Trump, and they're more likely to vote uh, in the midterm election. Um, Oh, also, Donald Trump yesterday had to go see Letitia James. Can you imagine anybody having to spend time with Letitia James? Yikes. I'll get to her in a little bit. I think I'm almost recovered. Almost. Oh, speaking of coughing, gosh, yeah, Joe Biden. I played this last night, and I'm glad I pointed this out. This can happen to somebody of any age. Cut 47. <laughs> we need secure in the future. Excuse me. <laughs> See, I said last night, it doesn't really matter. This part, I didn't mind. He coughed a lot. That can happen to people. What doesn't happen to people, what sh- people shouldn't do, right after that, he went around shaking everybody's hand, and you just heard how phlegmy and weird his call. I mean, there was, yeah, no. This has got to stop. This has got to stop. Give me a moment. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, I'm sorry about that. Um, I just uh, I got this little... What do Fritos have in them? They've got those little dots, and I think one of them is lodged right by the back of my tonsil. I tried another handful of um, Fritos thinking it would dislodge the um... – <laughs> jeez, excuse me. All right. I th- oh, I think that did it. I think I'm okay. Sorry about that. Um, August 8th, 2022. Some people are saying it's a lot like, uh, well, another date in history. Cut 41. Yesterday <laughs> – December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. Yep. A lot of people. (laughs) (coughs) I am so sorry. What am I going to do? I don't know. I mean, I'll drink some more water. Hold on. Ah, I'm looking at Scott Peterson. He's, uh, I'm going to cough again. All right, wait, Sandra, why don't you finish your thought? Make it a long one. Okay, well, basically I was going to say that I, I, I believe that uh, Merrick Garland and, and Joe Biden knew about this because I don't think Bruce Reinhardt would take such a big step like this without discussing it with people that have more experience. That was my thought on that. 
And then I also will say that last night I loved listening to your father. I loved how he says the police will talk with their feet. I think that was very, very powerful. You know, they're leaving in droves, and, and your father's right. He doesn't blame them the way they're treated. So I wanted to comment about that. And I wanted to say I love uh, the picture you had on with, uh, what's her name? Oh, I forgot her name. She looks like this other person that's like, oh, I forgot her name, so now I feel bad. Anyway, so you had a picture. Listen, I'm of, glad um, you're watching the show. I'm glad you're watching. Thank God, you so I love much. It. I it's so great. It is, right? It's, so it's a great. special show. It's a unique. It's unlike anything in television. And um, I'm so proud of it. And the team that I got, uh, we're, we're, we're doing something special. Thank you for noticing. Hey, it's not just F- by Sandra. It's not just FDR. It's people all over the place saying that whole thing about a day that will live in infamy. I saw it all over social and big people, uh, regular people. Cut 42. August 8th, 2022. A date that will live in infamy. In my view, this is a raid that will go down in infamy. It's the 8th of August, a day that will go down in infamy. All right. But Danny from Massapequa was right about Admiral Yamamoto, who said he was afraid after Pearl Harbor that all we did was awaken a sleeping giant. And I did that on the show last night. And people who were not even paying too much attention to politics, I'm told that 58% of independents polled are deeply disturbed by this uh, raid on President Trump, and they're more likely to vote uh, in the midterm election. Um, Oh, also, Donald Trump yesterday had to go see Letitia James. Can you imagine anybody having to spend time with Letitia James? Yikes. I'll get to her in a little bit. I think I'm almost recovered. Almost. Are you speaking of coughing, gosh, yeah, Joe Biden. I played this last night, and I'm glad I pointed this out. This can happen to somebody of any age. Cut 47. And securing the future, excuse me. See, I said last night, it doesn't really matter. This part, I didn't mind. He coughed a lot. That can happen to people. What doesn't happen to people, what people shouldn't do, right after that, he went around shaking everybody's hand, and you just heard how phlegmy and weird his call. I mean, there was, yeah, no. This has got to stop. This has got to stop. Give me a moment. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Wow. Who remembers Scott Peterson, that guy in California convicted of killing his wife, Lacey, all the way back, what was that, 2003, 2004? She died actually in 2002. It was a big case. I wasn't a big true crime buff at the time. I'm a little bit more interested in it now. The Supreme Court overturned, the the California State Supreme Court overturned his death sentence uh, some years ago. And... um, they actually recommended that uh, a lower court evaluate the situation. He may get a new trial, and he's in court right now. Uh, um, uh, why, he, by the way, he looks pretty good. I mean, he's like, he's, um, he's, his hair is somehow fuller. Remember this guy, Lacey Peterson, and he went fishing or something? And uh, vaguely remember all of it, but I certainly remember him. I remember the, the her, the picture of her. An unborn child was also killed. Like she was like eight months pregnant or something like that. Uh, Geraldo Rivera. Do we like Geraldo? Let's see what he let's let's see what he's saying. He's commenting on this right now as this proceeding is happening live in Redwood City, California. 
Now, the state's position, we talked a little bit about their position as to the restraining order. Uh, the state admits that uh, this restraining order was the answer in connection with the restraining order was erroneous. That's not Geraldo. Uh, to me, that's a tacit admission that it was false, and that means misconduct has occurred. All right, who knows what the hell they're talking about? They're really in the weeds of this thing. But I'll say this. Um, uh, the civil lawsuit, they have a slightly different position, Your Honor. Their position, uh, and Mr. Harris accurately notes, that we didn't provide any documentation of that civil lawsuit. All right, I don't know what they're talking about. I mean, again, when you start listening to these arguments, they are, um, well, it's not like, he didn't do it, he was home. <laughs> it's It's always some... Nitnoid little detail, and they're talking about somebody named Harris, and that definitely was not Geraldo Rivera, but that's fine. Good. Um, oh, yeah. He's alleging that one of the jurors lied to get on the jury. Lied, said, yeah, I have no opinion about this case. Apparently, she was out to get uh, Scott Peterson, according to Scott Peterson. So Scott Peterson back in court right now in a bid for a new trial. Hey, he won in the Supreme Court, California Supreme Court. They threw out that death penalty. Uh, Eric, what do you think? You're in Queens. Hey, Greg, how are you? Good. So, you know, I wanted to discuss this whole, you know, FBI raid on the Trump compound. And I've had my own unfortunate experience with the FBI. Um, they are not nice people. Uh, I've known this way before my encounter with them. Uh, they kidnapped me in the middle of the night driving through Queens on the way home from work. Uh, brought me to an undisclosed location downtown somewhere in the west side. And they basically can do whatever they want. And they gave me two options. They said, you can either go in front of a judge now and stay in jail, uh, but we'll let you call your lawyer after that. But if you want to go home tonight, you got to sign up with Team America and you're going to work for us. So... What would anybody do in that situation? Well, you're leaving out some uh, details. Now, I mean, you have any reason why they picked you up? It sounds like there's got to be a bit of a backstory here. Um, so not getting into too many details for safety reasons, um, I was uh, implemented in a conspiracy theory with known criminals because I was a general contractor working for uh, criminals, um, and somehow I got tied into them. Um and my name was mentioned a few times. I had two people that would that got picked up on other charges, and then those people pointed fingers at me because I was an easy target. Uh, and now it got a little dicey. Now, unless you have fifty to a hundred thousand upfront to get a lawyer, you're pretty much screwed. So my my whole takeaway was this: um, most FBI agents, most people don't know, they're highly educated. These are not just like you know NYC cops off the street corner. Hey, wait, whoa, 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 easy on the cops. The cops are very highly educated. You know, we got a great, in many ways, the New York City Police Department is better than the FBI. But I know what you're talking about. I mean, most of them are either lawyers or accountants or uh, they speak uh, a language. You've got to be getting into the FBI is definitely extremely competitive. But keep going. Point was not to insult NYPD, but the NYPD guys are more like down to earth, regular people. Um, that have not been indoctrinated through the liberal educational system like our current FBI is. Um, so that's where I was going with that. So people want to know why, you know, when people say, well, 99% of the FBI agents are fair. No, they're, most of them are brainwashed. They're not nice people. They've been through the liberal educational system for, for years and years now. Um, and listen, when they don't have anything on you, they'll throw a conspiracy charge at you. 
um, they'll dig up something. And I'm afraid even in the Trump situation, they'll dig up something. Maybe they planted something, um, the confidential informant. So they say, um, we don't know if that's true or not. And if it's true, it might have somebody they picked up might have had committed crimes totally unrelated, like we saw with the Michael Cohen situation. Yeah, listen, I don't like it. I, I mean, yeah, look, I, I oh, wow. Yeah, I, I think you're uh, look. You give somebody a little bit of power, unfortunately, human nature, a lot of times there's a tendency to abuse it. I don't think just because they went to college, though, means that they necessarily fell prey to uh, the liberal bias of the college. I don't know if that's it. Anyway, so what did you do? What did you decide? What, what did you tell them and what happened? Well, I had to work for Team America um, and my lawyer because I knew about this beforehand because I had a good friend who was a lawyer. As a teenager, I would do menial tests for him when he used to have his office in Queens. So I already had a hookup. And he always told me, Eric, they'll pick you up. They'll give you a slice of pizza, a slice of pizza and a Pepsi and act like they're your friend. And then they'll give it to you. And you know what I got? I got the freaking soda, but I never got the slice of pizza from them. (laughs) I didn't think you were going to get the pizza after that midnight ride to the west side. It sounded kind of... Anyway, Eric, uh, so... All right. Well, thanks for the heads up. Uh, Sorry you went through all that. Look, I'm suspicious of a lot of guys at the FBI, although I like them, too. I know. I'm a little, uh, I don't know. All right. Give me a moment. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, one of the biggest races, political races in the country in the midterms is the Pennsylvania race for the United States Senate. Uh, Dr. Mehmet Oz is the Republican nominee against the Democrat weirdo, uh, John Fetterman. Have you gotten a load of this guy? Anyway, hey, Dr. Oz is with us on the phone. Dr. Oz, how you doing? Well, it's always better when I'm talking to you. This is a fascinating race for everyone to, to understand because my opponent has not left his home in three months. And tomorrow we'll make his first uh, public appearance. Not sure what he's going to do. But the real challenge, I'm going to ask everyone listening, Republican, Independent, Democrat, doesn't matter. What do you think about someone never leaving their home and campaigning to be a United States senator? Never hearing what the voters have to say. You never hearing what they have to say. You hear a manufactured version of them uh, crafted by advertising geniuses like they're selling you know, cereal, and that's what you buy. And that's the issue that's at hand right now in Pennsylvania. I mean, I'm not, I'm tra- every day, like today, I'm traveling around the Commonwealth, uh, visiting uh, folks in diners and doing public events. I'm going to a public golf course this afternoon to say hi to a bunch of employees at you know, b- you know, big events wherever I can get folks together at rallies. Uh, and that all is a way for me to make sure I hear what's going on in their lives, but also tell them what I stand for. And real quickly, I'm an immigrant's kid, Greg, as you know. My father grew up in a dirt floor in a farm in central Turkey. He was educated on scholarship, brought to this country on scholarship, and we lived the American dream. That's the amazing thing about this country, especially in the, you know, in, my dad was recruited in the 50s. You know, you, you came here, you worked hard, you succeeded. And, and I believe in the American dream, but we are not passing it along like we need to. And that's one of the reasons I decided to run for Senate. And ironically, my opponent does not believe in the American dream because he never had to work. His parents paid for everything in his life till he uh, you know, until he got elected to a, a public to a lieutenant governor's role four years ago, and so his view of, the, of America is the government's got to fix the problems because you can't do it on your own. Opposite of what I believe. So this is amazing, and I didn't know this until recently. Like, let's just I want to go stay on this for a second. He is now, I think, what fifty-one years old, fifty-two, something like that. 
Yep. And for his entire life, uh, he's been subsidized by his parents, not just a check here, a check there, you know, maybe making helping him with the rent. I mean, we're talking like fifty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year from his parents. Um, <laughs> that, that's that's quite an arrangement. Um, and did anybody know? Was this discussed at all uh, throughout his career? I saw an old report on CBS News. He said he only made one hundred and fifty dollars a month as mayor, so he had to be getting money uh, from his parents to, so he could be, you know, the everyman mayor, so called. Well, apparently uh, this was going on. I don't know if anyone knew about it uh, or if, if they knew about it, they tell anybody about it. Um, but listen, if, if, if you're going to pretend like you're a working class guy uh, who's there for the people, but you're not working, you're not signing any checks, you're not making payroll, you're not showing up, then, well, you know, I, I don't know how much working class guy you are. You're pretending you understand, and that's a big part of the issue in America. A lot of people – who aren't actually you know, doing the things that could keep the machinery of this country running are saying things about what should happen to the people who are doing all that hard work. And oftentimes people doing the hard work get left behind in the meantime. And that's what's most frustrating to me because, listen, as an immigrant's kid, I knew I had to work hard. So I did. I worked hard in medical school and I went to business school actually because I was interested in healthcare finance. I invented devices to fix heart valve disease without having to do big surgery. I started my show. All of this took a ton of effort, and I'm proud of it. And I didn't ask for anything from anybody. Just, you know, let me work hard. Uh, you know, you do what you do. I'll do what I do together. We're going to make this country uh, thrive and, 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 you know, kick on all cylinders. And yet people who haven't done that don't like the fact that it's happening. And my opponent in this race is quite vocal about it. Then he doesn't like compromise. That's the other thing is if you haven't actually worked in the real world with these kinds of, you know, with, with colleagues who you're trying to make something with, well, you start to get pretty draconian in your stances. So he said on tape, uh, this is before a stroke, that uh, if you like Joe Manchin, do not vote for me. And I don't care what you think about Joe Manchin, but you know he's sort of in the middle compared to a lot of senators. And so if you don't want to work with someone who's in the middle, well, that, what does that say about you? It means you only are willing to work with people who think just like you about America, which means in his case, far-left radicals. I mean, Joe Biden is not left enough for him. You know, he's, he's buddies with Bernie Sanders. He also endorses getting rid of all private health care, by the way. Yeah. And like Bernie Sanders... Uh, does not have a way of paying for it. It just sounds like a good idea. You can tweet it out. It doesn't take 140 characters, so all of a sudden everyone knows you're for socialized medicine. But what does that really mean to people who are trying to be, make ends meet and get the health care they need? Hey, um, what's up with his health? I, you mentioned the stroke. I knew he had a stroke, and um, but he's still home. He still hasn't left. Is it because of the stroke? What What's going on? And how do you campaign against somebody who's not campaigning? Well, he's not been leaving his home. He doesn't tell anybody anything. Uh, the press is not asking, uh, which is sort of surprising in itself. I mean, if a Republican is at home for three months, never leaving uh, to campaign and, you know, didn't tell you what was going on, there'd be some questions getting asked. But here it's, you know, people say, oh, give me some more time. Well, I mean, how much more time is it? we got three months to the election. Uh, <laughs> is he going to debate me? Is he going to come out and play? But, you know, it's hard to dance by yourself. It takes two to tango. And I need someone to campaign against. The other thing, just to be clear, is if, if you don't like campaigning or you're lazy or you're worried you're going to make mistakes, you just stay at home and let your advertisers do the work. And he's raised a crazy amount of money. As, as if everyone listening, if, if you think that's wrong, that he can sit at home and never campaign, then go to DrOz.com and send me a little bit of money. You know, I don't need a lot. Just you know, send small checks just so we know that you, that you love us. Uh, but it, it, uh, it matters a lot because right now we have an opponent who's able to raise a lot of money uh, for, without leaving his home who's – 
thinks he can buy an NA campaign. Most of his money, a lot of his money, I should say, is coming from New York and California, you know, outside of Pennsylvania. And people just want to have a – they want to have a senator in this, uh, who's a Democrat. But you don't know who this guy is. He's not any old Democrat. He's a far-left guy. He should make you a little scared. You know, I'm looking at his picture right now, and there's – maybe I'm making too much of this, but I noticed it a long time ago. It's his official portrait as lieutenant governor. Uh, he's got a goatee. That's fine. And he's wearing this ordinary work shirt without a tie. It's actually less than ordinary. It's like something that may have been made in Cuba like 50 years ago. It's this weird communist-looking work shirt. Um, there's something odd. There's something – you know what? This is something a rich kid would do. You know, he doesn't have to impress anybody. It's like, yeah, screw you. I'm going to wear this. No tie. Am I reading too much into it? I mean, there's something about this that really rubs me the wrong way. I talked to the trade union guys, the guys who actually do work, and they don't—they didn't endorse him in the primary. They don't like him. Uh, talked, I got the endorsement of the Fraternal Order of Police, hundreds of cops sitting there, and they all dislike him because whenever they interact with him, it's not pleasant. I'll give you an example. The head of the Capitol Police, so Harrisburg Police, I shouldn't say she's the head. She works there, but she was speaking for a lot of them, she said. And she is an African-American woman. She said she'd never been so mistreated in her life as when he became lieutenant governor. She's been there for two, you know, two decades. And she says he treats her and others like there's something stuck on the bottom of your shoe when you walk out of a dog park. And they made, there was a shudder through the audience, and they endorsed me unanimously because nobody likes to be treated like that. We've got the biggest crime spree ever in Philadelphia, and the man wants to release one-third of all the prisoners in our penitentiaries. We've got you know, energy problems with gas continuing to be too expensive for most Pennsylvanians, bankrupting our farmers and hurting so many. And you know, he, he wants to – fracking is a, is a stain on Pennsylvania. doesn't believe it should happen. And, but if you're going to insult tens of thousands of people making their livelihood in the energy business, give us a – what's your plan? What are you going to do? During the heat wave, we don't have enough green energy. I want to protect the environment. I'm strongly in favor of doing what's wise with our energy, but not having any energy doesn't work. Then you end up with revolts like happened in Sri Lanka. Cutting out farming doesn't work like what happened in the Netherlands where farmers are revolting as well because you're not giving them a chance to make a living. Well, Dr. Oz, uh, I'm so glad that you are uh, you called in. And uh, Hey, do me a favor. How, how hot is it in Pennsylvania? And uh, what are you doing to keep healthy? You know, when you're running as hard, working as hard as you do, the tendency is to grab snacks. You're always good for a health tip. How do you stay healthy in, in, in a situation where you're on the road and uh, it's easy to eat junk food? Well, it's 87 degrees right now. I'm in the southern part of Pennsylvania. Um, and to stay healthy, I'll tell you, the most important thing is make it easy to do the right thing. So I keep nuts in my car at all times. And whenever I feel a little bit of hunger, I chew on those nuts because you never get fat eating nuts. People think you might because there's fats in nuts, but there's nutrients. And there's so many nutrients that uh, when you're done eating a handful of nuts, your brain says, you know what? I got enough nutrients. I don't need more calories because your brain's not looking for calories. It's looking for nutrients. Now, that's fascinating because I always <laughs> – that totally makes sense. You're not going to get fat eating nuts. And every time I eat nuts, almonds, peanuts, I'm like, okay, got to watch it because it got a lot of calories. But your brain is smarter – the brain is smarter than we are in a weird way when you think about it. We are biologically hardwired to stay at our playing weight. We get in the way by messing up with bad foods that disturb our metabolism. Eat real food that comes out of the ground. Look in the way it looks when you eat, and you'll be fine. Campaigning or not. All right, Dr. Oz, good luck out there. Stay safe. I know it's a lot of miles on the road, and you meet all kinds of people. The election is in November. My goodness gracious, less than three months away. 
Um, all right. Hey, final thing, guys, Dr. Dr. Oz.com. I'm serious. If you care about democratic processes, I don't care what party you're in. You, you, you want your candidates to be able to articulate, get their message out. Uh, go to Dr. Oz.com. Send me a small contribution. It'll mean the world to us. Excellent. Dr. Oz.com. Thank you, Dr. Oz. All the best. Take care, Greg. Bye. Okay. You bet. Um, hey, that's true. You know, we got that uh, woman called last week. She wanted to volunteer. You know, it, it's kind of hard to volunteer. You know, what they need is money. So you heard it, just whatever you can do. I think that's a great idea to participate in our political system. Oh, Wilfredo, you went to college with Fetterman. I remember you called a while back. Uh, you didn't like him. What college was that again? Uh, that was Albright College in Reading, Pennsylvania. And why yeah. didn't you like that guy? What was the deal? Uh, the the thing with him is uh, he does not respect Latino people. He doesn't la- respect Hispanic people. Uh, it's like his whole life he never was around Hispanic people. And when he saw one, it was like I came from outer space or something. And uh, it bo- it bothered him that I was at the, at that college. Uh, and he um, went out of his way to make me feel uncomfortable. And I never was called a wetback before in my life. But he used that term against me, and he would call me Spick all the time. But he never did it by himself. He always made sure he had other football players around him. And uh, my sophomore year, uh, I remember him calling me that. I hadn't seen him for a while, and he called me that. And I was just so upset. And right after that, I just left the college, Albright College. I just I, – I had enough of it. It was just d- disgusting, actually. And – um Yep, that was my experience with Fetterman. So his thing that if he he cares or he he likes Hispanic people, he doesn't. He's he's a very big racist. If if you want to, there there's proof that he's a racist because I was his peer, and there was no reason for him not to get along with me. Uh, I, I'm a likable person, and I wasn't a troublemaker. But I there was a lot of guys on the football team. They would. Uh, one next, that was next to me, he was saying to me in my face, and I didn't even understand the term wetback. <laughs> but that's that's the environment I went into. Well, I'm sorry you went through all that, and uh, we'll take yeah, your word I, for it. Yeah, no. Yeah, no it, uh, well, it rings true. I mean, you know, it does. It does. Well, ref, well hey, by the way, what the hell does wetback mean? He doesn't like Latinos. But no, I know that. I know it's a pejorative, but what's the – you said you weren't – you know, what? what is it uh, – why? What does it mean? It means don't vote for him. Don't, no, don't I know that. Back. The term wet... Not, all right, never mind. Well, wetback. Oh, wetback. Wetback means, like, you know, they, they call the people who are coming across, uh, you know, the Rio Grande uh, wetbacks. And, and I... That was the very first time I was ever called that. I was like, what yeah. is even that? I, could, I didn't even feel insulted because I didn't even know what he was talking about. Oh yeah, you're Mexican and this and that. All right, hey, where'd you where'd you transfer to anyway? Uh no, after that I, I didn't go I didn't stay back in college. I just uh I stayed out. Um I was gonna go to Jersey City uh um college in Jersey City, but that never worked out. Never hey, went. thanks a lot, John oh. Fetterman. You messed up Wilfredo's entire educational career, it sounds like to me. A little bit. Uh yeah, I was pretty dis uh no, I was pretty disgusted. I just I was like, Oh my goodness, I can't uh, what is this guy's deal? I was like, what is what is his deal with me? I mean, I, I I don't get it. And I mean, I was like really the only probably Hispanic male that was there in the whole entire fourteen hundred 
people that went to school there. I was like the, All right. the only one. I'm sorry this so, happened. I'm sorry, but thanks for sharing the story. Oh, uh, I I think this guy is don't a great big. For this guy. Yeah, don't, fa- he's a phony. Yeah, yeah, so, he looks like a phony to me, and those tattoos and the checks from his parents. Okay, Wilfredo, thank you. I will be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I don't have peanut butter very often. Maybe once a year, twice a year. I'm having some right now. Man, God, this stuff is good. Strangely, it's not that filling. You know what I mean? You think it's going to like a big dollop of uh, peanut butter is going to fill you up. Um, I've had four dollops so far, and I'm <laughs> I'm still going. And remember that Reese's Pieces commercial? Like You can't put peanut butter and chocolate together, and they have them. You know, putting the chocolate bar in that. Well, that's what I'm doing right now. I don't like the Reese. Don't do the work for me, Reese's. I'll do it myself. That is, they gave me some great ideas when it comes to uh, how to eat peanut butter and chocolate. All right. So uh, um, I thank Dr. Oz for calling in. He was terrific. Hey, you know, Joe Biden actually spoke at Strom Thurmond's funeral. Strom Thurmond, who is a segregationist. A racist, really. Uh, you know, person, you know, from his time or whatever. I mean, you know, but he was a racist. And um, Joe Biden found a way to make friends with him. And I actually don't have a problem with this, um, that he did. I know, bad guy, Strom Thurmond, for most of his life. I guess he kind of changed. But I don't, you know, they, they became close, Joe Biden and, and Strom Thurmond. So much so that Biden gave the eulogy at Strom Thurmond's funeral. Listen to this, cut 52. I disagree deeply with Strom on the issue of civil rights and on many other issues, but I watched him change. We became good friends. I'm not sure exactly why or how it happened, Nancy, but you know we did. I do know that friendship and death are great equalizers, where our differences become irrelevant and lonely, the only thing that is left is what's in our heart. All right. You know what? <laughs> That's kind of nice. You know, Joe Biden, a Northeast liberal, you know, getting along with a Southerner. And um, a Southern uh, a guy like him, Strom Thurmond. That's 2003, almost 20 years ago. And that was like Joe Biden's thing, making friends and working with people he disagrees with. He can't do that anymore. Now he just tells horrible ghost stories about how bad the other side is. Cut 53. What I'm worried about is how un-American this whole initiative is. It's sick. It's sick. Those who stormed this Capitol and those who instigated and incited and those who called on them to do so held a dagger at the throat of America. The defeated former president of the United States watched it all happen as he sat in the comfort of the private dining room next to the Oval Office. While he was doing that, brave law enforcement officer subject to the medieval hell for three hours, dripping in blood, surrounded by carnage. Ay, ay, ay. All right, so you see how he talks about uh, Trump supporters and people like all <laughs> the January 6th crowd. And how did he speak again about that segregationist who thought that black people and white people should be separated You heard the warmth, you heard the understanding that even because they were different, they found a way to, you know, find common ground and work together and be friends. 
Interesting, right? What is that a function of? I think it's a function of, well, um, I wanted to say age. Um, and there's a there's something to that. I think, you know, sorry to say this, but, you know, telemarketers, there's a reason why they focus on older people. All right? They can take advantage of it. Just It, it just is. And and Joe Biden now is, has been taken advantage of by a lot of different forces. And everything that he was, all the stuff that he was supposed to be good at, is gone. But it was always there, actually, this negativity, this arrogance, this... And flirtation with, um, well, corruption. 1974. He's in the Senate at this point for less than two years. And he gets introduced at an event. Listen to how smug and smooth he thinks he is. Cut 51. To start the uh, testimony for the evening, I call Senator Biden of Delaware. Senator Biden, welcome to the Advocates. Thank you. Good to be here. Senator Biden, it's nice to have you here as the youngest member of the Senate, the one, therefore, who may expect the longest career there. I wonder if you'd say to us, since it's clear that you're not corrupt and you got elected, why should people think that the system produces corrupt results when there you are? Well, I'm not sure you should assume I'm not corrupt, but I thank you for that, though. What the hell kind of thing is that? What did Maya Angelou say when, uh, when people tell you who you, they are, believe them? Something like that? One of the strangest things I've ever heard. Hey, uh, Joe Biden is on vacation again. And I keep hearing when I point this out, you know, now he's in South Carolina at a golf resort. Well, Donald Trump took a lot of vacations, too. No, no, this guy worked all the time, all the time. You want to hear what it's like when you go golfing with Donald Trump? I'm going to show you this montage. I played it on Newsmax last night. Uh, there's some there are some meetings interspersed in. But most of this, most of what you're about to hear is him on the golf course talking to people he's golfing with. All right. Cut 50. Make a big high tee over here. Okay. Make it high. Now, where else are you putting tees here, Martin? I don't like the bottle. I don't like the size. I don't like the label. Other than that, it's <laughs> Get smart. Use your brain, okay? You know what? Who cares? Get it done and don't spend a lot. How about this? <laughs> it's great stuff. So intense. The guy is intense. I think Joe Biden uh, plays golf like that. Does he play golf? He can't. You can't ride a bike anymore. They're not going to let that happen anymore. All right, as I go to break, I'm going to hear from Russ in Milford, Connecticut, real quick. Hi, Russ. Hi, Greg. You know, something's just been wrong with us. I watch his rallies, and he, like you said, he's just, he nothing, nothing seems to phase the man. You know, he's just unbelievable. And I pray that, you know, he'll be protected. I worry about him getting, like, assassinated. I hate to say it, but I really do. You're not the first person to mention that. It's the first thing that popped into my head and a lot of other people after this raid was announced. I mean, what will they try next, you know? It happened. I was, at first I was, like, shocked. Then I was, like, I can't explain it. I was a little bit scared. Then I got mad. Tonight when I got mad. And uh, I just hope there's a red wave in November. There, there has to be. There has to be a complete wipeout of the Democrats. And I'm... I'm just praying for it to happen. I'm an independent, but I always favor the right. And I just, I don't trust some Republicans either. I'm just, you know, the old rhinos. You know, you know how I feel. I feel, I feel just as, uh, about the rhinos as everybody else. I'm with you on that. Mitch McConnell didn't say a damn thing about this atrocity, this legal atrocity. 
until I started to bully him on Twitter. Then he finally came up with a weak statement. Hey, not telling you what to do, Russ, but you may want to think about writing a check. I mean, it's one thing to hope. It's one thing to pray. But uh, writing a check to one of these, uh, you know, it, it, it helps and it sends a signal. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, this just uh, broke a moment ago. Uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland will be making a statement about the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago um, at about 2.30 today. Hmm. What's he going to say? We didn't mean it. <laughs> what could he possibly say? Uh, is he going to, they don't like to give details. They, they, I don't know, but they're feeling the heat. This guy's a wimp. Boy, oh boy, is he a wimp. He uh, caved to the pressure of um, of the left, wanting to see some sort of action against Trump. Now he's caving to the pressure of uh, people demanding an explanation. I do want an explanation, but I don't think they're going to give us a, uh, a full one, a candid one. Uh, they are... They're in big trouble, folks. Uh, I think they got caught, and uh, they're figuring out what is next. Could that be? Hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Are we going to be able to take this live when it happens? All right. Merrick Garland speaking from Washington, D.C. to make statement about what happened on Monday. And boy, oh boy, Trump is surrounded by snakes, snakes and traitors. really is. I know guys like this, actually, you know, they're they're so into work and they're so into their family. Often they don't make really good friends. I know he has some good friends, but you just, when he went to Washington, he had to rely on people he didn't know very well. People like Mattis and John Kelly and um, Esper, who else turned on him? Alyssa Farah, Stephanie Grisham, um, all these other people that you had to rely on people you didn't know very well to bring in even more people you knew even less well to you didn't even know at all. That Vindman guy. Now apparently there's somebody lurking around um, Mar-a-Lago. Probably, I heard somebody on the news say, it's probably a member of the Secret Service. Probably. Hey. (laughs) Um, the Secret Service, for years now, nothing secret about that service. There are a bunch of gossips. There are some great ones, I know, but there are a bunch of gossips. I think the motto of the Secret Service should be, have you heard this one? Oh, boy. And what they do, when they gossip the way they do, they potentially put lives at risk, the lives of the people that they have to protect. There was a guy... I can't remember which Treasury Secretary it was, so I won't say the name because I'm not sure if it was this guy or that guy or that guy. But the Secret Service would drive him, I guess, on weekends to see his girlfriend in wherever the hell it was. And I guess he was married or whatever. Anyway, they they, they, they told somebody this stuff. They told it to a reporter who wrote a book. Now, what does that make this guy, who probably shouldn't have been going around with the girlfriend, but whatever? It makes them less likely to have the Secret Service around, all right? Because you want to keep secrets. Everybody's got something they don't want on the front page of the uh, newspaper, right? So they start to avoid the Secret Service, and this puts them at risk. Actually, this is an argument that was waged by, um, by President Clinton. 
President Clinton said one of the reasons why you can't be asking my uh, Secret Service agents questions about whether they heard me talk about Monica Lewinsky or if they saw us together is I think they called it the protectorate clause. Okay, if you um, if you raise those kinds of questions, the, the 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 protectee, you know, the person who needs the Secret Service will be less likely to keep those guys around. Okay, you guys are gossips. I don't want to be around you. I'll do this on my own. That puts the person at risk and potentially puts us all at risk somewhat. By the way, some of these people probably don't even need Secret Service. Uh, that's a whole different discussion. And some of them, once they get it, they don't know how to deal with it. They think it, it, it goes to their head. It goes to their head in a very peculiar way. The judge who signed the warrant, you know, he did some legal work for um, Jeffrey Epstein. To that I say, quite frankly, so what? I know, I know, people jump up and down. If you were a lawyer in South Florida in 2005, there was a good chance you were going to get called by Jeffrey Epstein if you were a good lawyer. This guy had a lot of money to spend, and uh, he was accused of something, and he's allowed to lawyer up, and lawyers are allowed to represent people, right? So uh, what the hell is the Daily Beast doing calling me during my radio show? No comment. I told these guys before, no comment. What do they want to know? I'll call them. Uh, I'm kind of curious. Sometimes they got a good. All right, hold on. Hold on. Zach? How are you, Mr. Kelly? I'm good. Listen, you're on the air. You're on the, you're on the radio. Do you want to, um, I just want uh, I shouldn't do this to you, but uh, how no, are you? you're fine. You're fine? You're, fine. you're on WABC radio. Hey. How are you doing? Uh, do you mind if I do a little interview with you? You can interview sure. me. What the hell sure. do you think about what's going on down there? Do you know that uh, Merrick Garland is about to make a statement? Yeah, yeah. We should uh, hopefully hear some more, hear more what's going on. I mean, it sounds like much of it is still a mystery, at least to me. Well, you're in the middle of it all. What are they saying down there? What does the fake news? Well, you're not fake news, but <laughs> the other people, <laughs> the other people, the people you hang around with, what are they saying? It seems to me, I, I, I turn on cable now and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, this is all justified and uh, no one's above the law, that kind of stuff. What are, what are your uh, people saying down there? Well, I'm hearing a lot. I'm hearing a lot of different things. I know, you know, a lot of people within Trump's orbit, at least, as you probably know better than I, um, you know, are pretty upset by the whole thing. And I think, uh, you know, rightfully so, to a certain extent, I mean, Trump Trump's home was raided. Um, I, I do think, you know, we, we really have to understand and a why and exactly what they're looking for. I think with Mr. Trump and his attorneys potentially releasing kind of the list of things that, you know, the FBI did take would be super helpful, I think, for a lot of people. Um, because I think, you know, if if it is a lot of things that's like, okay, this is a nothing burger, perhaps, you know, that clears the air. Hey, you know what? He's been out of office now for a year and a half. All right, more than a year and a half. And now they're getting around to this stuff. They're just trying to dirty him up because the January 6th hearings did not work out. Hey, Zach, listen, sorry to put you on the spot like that. Thank you very much. I'll call you later, okay? All right, you bet. Bye-bye. Um, good guy. I told him to not call me Mr. Kelly, though, by the way. You know, you get to a certain age, you don't want, and he tells me, I told him, and he said, look, out of a, out of, it's a matter of respect for me. I'm from the South. Okay, as a matter of respect to me, and I'm from the North, don't call me Mr. Kelly. I want to be called Greg. Um, it's really cool, actually, when I left the Marine Corps, people were calling me Greg for the first time in about 10 years. Everybody was calling me by my call sign, you know? I mean, for 10 years. And it was a cool call sign. Um, bullets. Yeah, Bullets was my call sign. All right. Uh, Rich, oh, who saw that damned, uh, that poor guy 
the horse fall down yesterday. Wasn't that terrible? He was so tired uh, because of the heat. I hope they gave that horse the day off. It was very hot yesterday, and a horse collapsed in the street. Um, look, I like the horse-drawn carriages. I want it to continue, um, but it might not. This was a this was oh back to the judge, Judge Reinhardt. Listen to this, cut fifty-seven. Incompetence doesn't necessarily lead to criminality. So f- which 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 out of those, those two scenarios right there seems more likely to you at this point? Uh, within the IRS, probably incompetence. The IRS has one of the most antiquated computer systems in the world. Um, and the fact that emails could have disappeared without Miss Lerner knowing about it or Miss Lerner being involved is entirely credible to me. So my buddy John Bachman at Newsmax interviewed this guy like seven years ago, the judge who signed the warrant for the FBI to go in, and they were talking about other things. He was actually a you know, pretty decent guy. Um, I don't blame the judge here. A judge will sign pretty much anything the FBI puts in front of him. Um, it's the FBI that I'm deeply, deeply suspicious of, and I'm deeply, deeply suspicious of uh, of Merrick Garland. Oh, Eric Adams. Eric Adams. He's concerned about the number of cops leaving the force, or is he? You know, we got a real serious situation. I pl- My dad was on the show last night, and I played this for him. Listen to how blasé Eric Adams is about record a uh, record number of cops leaving the NYPD, cut 58. There are reports that um, over 500 cops are resigning and over 1,000 are retiring. Does that concern you? Uh, no, it does not. New York City Police Department is an amazing career. You know, I know it firsthand. And we're going to find young men and women who are going to want to be a member of New York City Finest. This is a great opportunity to diversify the department. So, no, people will always want to join the New York City Police Department. Wow. He speaks like a fourth grader. He has the education of a fourth grader. He really does. The mentality of a fourth grader. He is a, and I know he got some phony baloney masters from, um, you know, somewhere, but no, this is a very complex management challenge. And you hear what he just said. And by the way, this is a chance for us to diversify the department. The department is incredibly diversified already and they're leaving. Those diverse cops are leaving because of the, um, the obvious dangers uh, now more than ever before. It looks like the cops are not being backed up by uh, city government. Uh, they do not have the tools to defend themselves. They can't even grab somebody around the chest if they're <laughs> struggling for their own lives. Bad, bad stuff. And now Eric Adams says he's going to uh, – he's so – he's not busy enough here in New York. He's going to go to Texas for some phony baloney reason. Listen to this. Cut 32. I already called all of my friends in uh, Texas and told them how to cast their vote. And uh, I am deeply contemplating taking a busload of New Yorkers uh, to go to Texas and do some good old-fashioned door knocking uh, because we we have to, for the good of America, we have to get them out of office. Okay, go for that. Go for it. You know, it's going to work out as well as uh, going to Iowa did for Bill de Blasio, knocking on doors. Remember that? Here's the mayor of the city of New York, and he's actively contemplating getting on a bus with his friends. Why is he taking a bus? Oh, because they're okay. Um, a bus to Texas to knock on doors. Some good old fa- fashioned campaigning, huh? 
Yeah, that's a really good use of your time. Finally, here is the, oh, man, the fakest of the fake news is Joe Scarborough. And you got to listen to his voice, the tone of his voice. Remember, this guy says he's a uh, a good old boy from the panhandle of Florida. But this is what happens. You take somebody out of the panhandle, you, you send them to Congress, they fall in love with the trappings, and they morph into a weirdo. Uh, like uh, Joe Scarborough, cut 59. They're fascists, like people that are making the threats, the people that helped Donald Trump on January 6th, the people that were talking about coming to, to D.C., that it was going to be crazy, that it was going to be wild, they were going to charge the cap. They're fascists. And so they're making fascist threats, and we need to do what the United States has always done. Uh, we need to confront fascism and, and defeat it. So everybody that's freaking out over fascists being fascists, well, guess what? That's what fascists do. That's why we have law enforcement to actually bring fascists to justice. So please don't run around with your hair on fire and say, oh, my God, we can't actually enforce the laws of our land. We can't actually protect classified documents. Because fascists may get upset on a TV show. Show. TV show. What? He's so effeminate and strange. He keeps on saying he's anti-fascist. anti Look, we're not fascists, all right? That's uh, <laughs> just ludicrous. But it's interesting how he says we're anti-fascist. Anti-fascist. He is. His side. we got to be anti-fascist. You know what anti-fascist is? Antifa. That literally is what Antifa stands for, all right? Anti-fascist. And on a TV show or a radio show, you get that, uh, Joe? Bye. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. No good movies to see. No good movies. Summer movies. Remember summer movies? What? Elvis, I hear, is pretty good, but that's it. Nobody wants to see Bullet Train. It's stupid. Everybody can tell that. I took one look at the promo. It's terrible. Did you see it? No, you didn't see it. Nobody sees Bullet Train. That's a movie for a nine-year-old, all right? I'm an adult. I'd like to see something, you know. Jeez. Uh, you know, it was a great movie. Nobody ever talks about it anymore. It was good for the kids, good for adults. Um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Now, that had it all. That had everything going for it. You know, flying saucers, out of space, aliens, midlife crisis, marriage troubles, um, you know, frustrated man, uh, family life, all that stuff. It was, man, that was a good movie. I don't remember E.T. very much. Uh, they say that was good. I think that was a little sappy for me. Um, I put this online. Uh, Letitia James just making a fool out of herself wherever she goes. And this is, I'm going to compare this. I mean, people have been pointing out, well, what about when Trump said lock her up? I'll get to that in a moment, but first, this is this is actually an attorney general speaking like this. Cut 44. Running for attorney general because I will never be afraid to challenge this illegitimate president when our fundamental rights are at stake. Fundamental rights are at stake. Uh, and then she becomes attorney general. And uh, oh, wait, no, this is still during the campaign. Cut 45. I say one name. Donald Trump. That should motivate you. Will you, will you sue him for us? Oh, we're going to definitely sue him. We're going to be a real pain. He's going to know my name personally. Uh, know my name personally. You see, she just wanted to be famous. 
Uh, here's another one. Cut 46. All right, stop. She's totally out of control. Out of control. Now, people are like, well, wait a second, Greg. I remember Donald Trump saying, lock her up during the campaign, and that wasn't nice. Well, lock her up. That was Hillary Clinton. Number one, he was running against Hillary Clinton. All right? The declared political opponent. It's okay to call your opponent a crook, especially when they are a crook. (laughs) As for Letitia James, she was not running against Donald Trump. It's a big, big difference. And her job, look, attorney general, I actually am surprised that we still elect attorney generals. I think it should be appointed. I mean, really, what difference does it make? I mean, it's one, I think it should be delegated to the governor to appoint the attorney general. Some states do it that way. We do it at the federal level. The president appoints the attorney general. You don't run for attorney general. It's so anathema. Is that the right word? Uh, to electoral politics, the decisions that you have to make as a as a lawyer. So she's totally out of her head. And Donald Trump was completely right to uh, uh, invoke his constitutional rights. Why would you tell this woman anything when they're just trying to trap you? I'll never I'll never cooperate with uh, any kind of probe. All right. Seriously. Show me your ID. I'll get back to you. Remember that. Don't talk. All right. Get your lawyer no matter what. It's about some contracting job from 10 years ago. Get your lawyer. Get a lawyer. Don't. Although then you got to watch out for that. They try to bankrupt you with legal fees. That's another strategy. So many good people, people who are not even well known, had to spend fifty, a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars Cash Patel, who worked for Trump, totally loyal, totally effective, Funny, he was in the swamp, but not of the swamp. He spent $200,000 on legal fees. He did nothing wrong, nothing at all. Hey, Joe Biden, uh, you know, he's just a he's a tireless guy, right? He's just never going to stop. Uh, cut 48. I will not rest. And I mean this from the bottom. Of, I will not rest. I promise I will do everything in my power. I will not relent. I will not take no for an answer. I will do everything in my power. The moment we rest is the moment that our influence diminishes. And where is Joe Biden right now? He's resting. <laughs> here he's re- here. You resting? Yeah, he's resting. He's resting now in Delaware. No, South Carolina. A new place to uh, rest. He's resting. He's resting. All right. After telling us how he'll never rest, he'll never stop fighting. He stopped. He stopped fighting for the time being. Uh, he, it reminds me of The Naked Gun. Who remembers The Naked Gun? A really funny cop movie with, uh, who was in it? Priscilla Presley, George Kennedy, O.J. Simpson, Leslie Nielsen. And uh, O.J. Simpson is a cop, and he gets shot. He's going to be okay. He's in the hospital. And his wife, Wilma, comes to the hospital, and she's being consoled by two other officers, Leslie Nielsen and George Kennedy. Listen, to, Listen to the pep talk they give her. And... <laughs> It's pretty good. Uh, where is this? Cut 49. Wilma, I promise you, whatever's come did this, not one man on this force will rest for one minute until he's behind bars. Now let's grab a bite to eat. Yeah, come on. 
Isn't that great? You get it? Now let's grab a bite to eat. I mean, let's face it. The cops, they kind of have a reputation of, you know, the coffee donuts thing. And then they, that's a very good movie. Who was the name of the opera singer? Enrico Palazzo, right? Remember? Enrico Palazzo. Great, great movie. They don't make them like that anymore. Donald in New Jersey, yes. Oh, uh, hey, Greg. How you doing, man? Good. All right. Uh, you just mentioned uh, Antifa a minute ago, and I wonder if you knew or why reporters have never asked Ms. Jean-Pierre when you type Antifa.com in the computer, it reroutes you to WhiteHouse.gov. Do you know that? No, I didn't know that. Well, before Joe was president, it would reroute you to JoeBiden.com, but now it routes you to WhiteHouse.gov when you type in. I mean, is that somebody, you know, one of those geeks in the Silicon Valley having fun? I remember for a long time, WhiteHouse.com was a porn site. WhiteHouse.com was a porn site. It was. You know what happened, yeah. though? The guy, After 9-11, the guy who ran that site felt bad, felt guilty, and in the Patriotic Act, he... He took down the website or changed it to, uh, I don't know, girls, girls, girls or something. Hey, Donald, I'll check that out. Thank you. I got to go. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right. I want to hear from this guy. I want to hear from Merrick Garland. I never thought I'd be eager to hear from that little pipsqueak. Uh, but he's about to say something regarding the uh, crazy raid at uh, Donald Trump's house in Mar-a-Lago. You know, that is his official residence. Uh, the, the latest word, that's where he's registered to vote and everything like that. The latest word is uh, uh, there was some guy who worked at Mar-a-Lago who was in touch with the feds and gave him some sort of a tip. Uh, this is just a, this is persecution. This is prosecutorial abuse. We can all see it. Started with Russia, Russia, Russia. How the FBI isn't mortified? They got to be totally mortified to be um, kind of always wrong. I mean, again, 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 and <laughs> they're doing other things, things that they should not be doing. They should be focused on traditional, I believe, lawbreakers and law enforcement issues. You know, have you noticed that every time, every time there's a school shooter? They were on some FBI list. The FBI talked to him two years ago and assessed that there was no problem. Uh, all throughout history. I mean, it happened uh, with recent school shootings. It also happened all the way back in 1963. The FBI actually had Oswald's name in a notebook, and they were like, we ought to check on this guy who seems to hate America, just got back from Russia, renounced his citizenship, uh, really weird guy. Oh, he works right next to the route where Oswald will be, uh, where Kennedy will be driving by. Yeah, don't you think we ought to speak to that guy first? Okay, the president comes Friday. Why don't we speak to him the following Tuesday? That's what he was doing. Agent Hostie is his name. Uh, H-O-S-T-Y. You can look it up. They had an appointment with uh, Oswald. <laughs> Tuesday. Tuesday after the assassination. I'll kill the president first, and then I'll see you guys on Tuesday if that works. Jeez, unbelievable. They, uh, somebody pointed out today that the FBI, you know, J. Edgar Hoover, J. Edgar Hoover. We all know the deal with J. Edgar Hoover now. Oh, and that's why I played that clip from 1974. 
Joe Biden becomes a man in the year 1972. Who's an American hero in 1972? J. Edgar Hoover. You know, J. Edgar Hoover is now his reputation has gone through the ringer. We know a lot about him and what he was up to and, you know, gosh, the domestic surveillance and all kinds of crazy stuff that he should not have been doing. Um, but that was the FBI. And you use the FBI to get back at your political opponents, okay? Nixon was spying on uh, one of the spy on Democrats. Uh, Johnson was spying on Nixon. People don't realize this, but Johnson actually had Richard Nixon's campaign plane bugged at one point. Uh, although it looks like Johnson actually wanted Nixon to win at the end, may have wanted Nixon to win. He really hated Humphrey at one point. They had a horrible falling out. Um, anyway, these guys are the, – Johnson was kind of nuts. He was a pretty all over the place, uh, kind of an egomaniac himself. I guess you got to be to be in politics, right? Hey, congestion pricing, is this thing really going to happen? Congestion pricing? They've been talking about it for years and it was like, what, they're going to – Put tolls on the uh, Brooklyn Bridge. It'll be $23 to go below 60th Street. Well, I don't like that since I live above 60th Street. I don't want to spend 23 bucks to go downtown. I, there's got to be an exception. I live in Manhattan. I don't think I should have to pay to go downtown. That's my right as an American to go downtown in a car. Uh, I think this congestion pricing thing is awful. And let's see, Kathy Hochul has been pushing it, Politico. Governor Kathy Hochul is pushing ahead on a congestion pricing plan that would raise billions in revenue for public transit projects and promises to significantly decrease traffic into Manhattan's central business and tourism district. Why, well, who cares? What's wrong with a little traffic in Manhattan? I mean, it's the, it's the, big, it's the biggest city in America. There's going to be some traffic. I can deal with it. $23. I don't think it's going to raise that much money. That's prohibitive. That will keep people from coming into the city big time. That could keep merchants from coming into the city big time. I don't like it. Uh, let's see. Congestion pricing would charge drivers extra during so-called peak hours to enter Manhattan Central. Screw you. You know, we already paid for these streets. I, You know what? There's got to be a way we can sue. If they approve this at Albany... I may put together some sort of group and we can sue. It only takes, you know, two people, two people, two voters sued in Wisconsin. And this, the Wisconsin Supreme Court agreed. They ruled in favor of the plaintiffs. The plaintiffs were two people, two voters who felt aggrieved about all those illegal uh, voter drop boxes. I can prove that I paid my taxes in New York City for years and that tax money went to these roads, some of them downtown. And that I should be able to access those roads based on what I have already paid. Does that sound like a, I think that could pass a muster. What do you think? Michael is in Rockaway Beach. What do you think? Hi. Uh, sign me up, Greg. I am absolutely outraged at this. Here we are with New York City residents and we got to pay to go into the financial and civic center of our own city. It's ridiculous. No, it really is. And there's not been enough public discussion. There's been very little pushback. I think everybody is checked out watching those stupid Netflix shows and talking about Trump all day long. I mean, really, I think and I love Trump, but he so dominates the public discussion that if it's not about him, people don't pay much attention. Does that make sense? Do you do you buy that at all? Let me tell you something, Greg. Um, there was the people in the outer boroughs, the uh, councilmen 
and councilwomen were against this years ago. And when I got on the phone with the mayor's office, they said, well, they do it in London. And I said to them at the time, we fired them 165 years ago. I don't care what they do in London. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, we bolted. I think it was a little bit longer than 165 years ago. But uh, uh, you're right. You're right. We left. Um, hey, wait a second. Um, hold on. 23 bucks. No, it's a bad, bad move. Nobody likes it. Although nobody seems to know. What about the thing I said, though? Do you notice how people are kind of rolling over? You're fired up. I'm fired up. But I don't hear a lot of talk about congestion pricing. I think it's just going to happen. we got to fight it. We have to fight it. May have to let them do it before we can really fight it, before we can really undermine it. No. You know what we, you know what we can do? What? We can start a boycott, announce a boycott of all Manhattan businesses. The people from the outer boroughs, the people from New Jersey, refuse to do business with any business located in Manhattan. I don't like penalizing. I don't like penalizing. No, they're they're not the. I understand. I don't know. Keep thinking. Keep thinking. Um, we gotta we gotta do this to the to Hochul. You know, they all have part time businesses. All those state senators and assemblymen. They're not. It's not a full time job. They all have other gigs that they're up to. What if we target their uh, their side hustles? How does that sound? I I don't want to. Sounds like a great idea. Sign me up. All right, I'll look into it, Michael. Thank you. You too, okay? Uh, still waiting. Thanks, pal. Uh, all right, the Attorney General is going to say something about this thing. What can he say? It's a very evasive guy. Uh, remember, he arrested cops just last week. The FBI arrested cops. And what did they do? They returned fire after being shot at. They returned fire after being shot at, and they arrested those guys. Two years later, three years later, whatever it was, this is not a justice department. This is not justice. This is, no, this is not America. This is not America. But you guys went too far. Like Admiral Yamamoto said a long time ago, you just awakened a sleeping giant. There are a lot of people who weren't paying much attention. We're paying attention now. Hey, Governor Greg Abbott. Is going to beat Beto O'Rourke. Beto is desperate. You see, Beto is cursing people out and stuff like that. That's his. Uh, that's his shtick. Using the F word in public forums. A lot of people get by on that. Comedians, half of them. You take out the F word, most of their jokes don't even work. Let alone are. F- but here's Greg Abbott responding to uh, our own mayor, Eric Adams. Cut thirty-four. You know, I kind of feel like Clint Eastwood. Go ahead, Mayor. Make my day. Uh, There could hardly be anything better uh, to aid my campaign against Beto O'Rourke than to have Beto O'Rourke have his campaign aided by a bunch of New Yorkers that will not be viewed very positively in the state of Texas. Candidly, the only thing better than that is what has already occurred, and that is Beto has received a million dollars from George Soros. Uh, This is a campaign by Beto that's being run by people outside of the state of Texas. This race is about Texans, and Texans are fed up with what the Biden administration has done on our border, the chaos that has caused, the damage that has caused in the state of Texas. And that is exactly uh, why we are sending these illegal immigrants to places like Washington, D.C. and New York City. Hey, I thought uh, I like Greg Abbott a lot. I liked everything he said. Why is he calling him Beto? <laughs> His name was Beto. Beto. Uh, hey, yeah, I mean, didn't de Blasio say New York is a sanctuary city? Aren't we, I guess, right? We have to take these folks. Sanctuary city. Remember all that rhetoric? Sanctuary city. Sanctuary city. 
Let's go look back up what uh, Eric Adams said about Sanctuary City. Cut 35, please. More from Governor Greg Abbott of Texas. This is rank hypocrisy uh, by the New York governor, by the New York mayor. Uh, Listen, New York is a sanctuary city. Uh, Mayor Adams said Hmm. that they welcome in uh, illegal immigrants. Uh, And now once they have to deal with the reality of it, uh, they're suddenly uh, flummoxed uh, and they cannot handle it. They are now getting a taste of what we're having to deal with. One of the most important things that our fellow Americans can do is to realize for themselves the the challenges that Texas is dealing with every day. Only when they see that uh, will the Biden administration begin to have to realize the Biden administration is going to have to finally start enforcing uh, the laws passed by Congress that secure the border. Love it. Love it, Greg Abbott. Interesting. Greg Abbott's a fantastic governor, had him on the Newsmax show many times. You know, he's in a wheelchair. He was running when he was like 28 years old. He went for a jog and a tree fell on his legs. And um, but you never see him in a wheelchair. I mean, he is in a wheelchair, but they, you know, he's usually seated behind a table, kind of like FDR, although it's not a secret. It's not a secret. Hey, speaking of FDR, can I have that one more time? August, is it December 7th, 1941 or August 8th? 19, uh, 2020, cut 41. Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. And a lot of folks are saying the same thing about August 8th. Still can't get over it. Still can't get over it. Although we are slowly but surely moving on to other issues. Hey, Paul Pelosi Nancy's son went on that crazy boondoggle to Taiwan. Uh, what the hell was he doing there? You know, he has all kinds of financial shenanigans going on. He's gotten himself. Uh, he plays. Uh, he plays. He crosses the line. It looks like. Why would he a grown be going with his mother on an official? What is it with Democrats and going to Asia? Huh? What is that all about? Uh, Richard is in Clifton, New Jersey. Yes. Great. Um, I just wanted to say I hope. That what happened yesterday with the carriage horse will open your eyes to the cruelty of that uh, business. And there's a really good documentary called Blinders, and I think you can see it for free on YouTube. And I hope you watch it. Well, look, um, I think horses, uh, that happens to horses. Maybe, the, you know, I, I think maybe we should have certain days where it's too hot to have the uh, horse rides. We did that in the Marine Corps. We called them Black Flag Days. It got t- so hot that we would not do any physical activity outside. You couldn't jog, you couldn't run, you couldn't do anything. It was a black flag day. It was too hot. We could have that for horses. But no, I don't want to shut down that industry. I want I love uh, I love the carriage horse uh people. I love that option. I mean, horses are kind of, you know, they love pulling tra- they love doing that stuff. They love it. Or the horse would have no purpose in life. I mean, I was I look, my heart broke for that that horse, and I'm glad he uh, got back up, and I hope he gets the day off and they give him some extra hay or whatever, carrots. I want him to take a couple of days off. It looked He looked like a pretty skinny horse to me. I think he needs a lot of hay, but I want that industry to survive. I like it. I like that it's here. I don't think you would if you really knew what went on. Please watch. If I were a horse, I would. I mean, no, I, if I really knew what went on. I think those horses are fine. They're not, you know, I mean, I you watch the Kentucky Derby, right? I'm an animal rights activist. I'm a vegan and I'm a Trump supporter. I'm not 
a leftist, so any of anything all animal rights. No, 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 no. That's why I'm talking to you, man. If you have a you have a reasonable you, you know you have a point of view, and you're re- recommending a movie. I uh, all right. What's the name of the movie? Blinders. All and right. It's either on uh, YouTube for free, or you might have to pay two or three dollars. All right, blinders. Maybe I'll take a look at it. But right now, look, I I watch the Kentucky Derby. I see those jockeys. You know, they hit the horse pretty hard. I don't think the horse minds it too much, but I'll take a look at it. Hey, you got to admit, that's a unique combination there. You're a vegan, you're an animal rights act- activist, and you're a Trump supporter. Right, yeah. All right, good for you. I always said it was a big tent, you know, big tent, a lot of people, a lot of people. You'd be surprised who supports Trump. I love it. All right, Richard, I appreciate the call. I will check out that movie, and I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I'm back. And so is Mayor Giuliani. Hey, is he nearby? Could he come in a little bit early? I'd love to. Well, I'd love to talk to him about all this stuff. Boy, oh boy, uh, he's just an amazing guy, Rudy Giuliani. Been through so much, and I did hear that the authorities will not be pursuing a case against him. It was all trumped up to begin with. So uh, uh, good for him. You know, the authorities they can just uh, yeah. They can bankrupt you. They can uh, depose you. They can do all these things without evidence. They can just harass you. They do it. They made a fine art out of it. And that's what's happening to Trump. State, local, and federal harassment of Donald Trump. Why don't they just focus on beating him at the ballot box? No. You know what they want to do? They want to do something even this is I've heard it a million times. I never really noticed it. And then I it hit me. It hit me when they say they don't want to let Donald Trump get near the Oval Office. You ever hear him say that? We can't let him get near the Oval Office. Well, what about beating him in the Oval Office, right? What about beating him at the ballot box? Where is that one moment where they say all that stuff? I don't know. Here we go. No, that's not it. Um, anyway, in walks Mayor Giuliani. Oh, Mr. Mayor. These are crazy times, aren't they? Very sad. Um, very sad indeed. Now, Merrick Garland's about to speak from the Justice Department. You, by the way, point out, you were, you were the number third, number you were third highest ranking official at the Department of Justice. Under Ronald Reagan. Under Ronald Reagan. And that's a huge job. I mean, how many people work at the Justice Department? 15,000? No, oh, my gosh, no, about 70. 70,000. Yeah. yeah. 70,000. You were the number three person. I ran, I ran the criminal side. What do you think, department. what do you think uh, Merrick Garland is going to say? I think he's going to lie, like he has been doing. What is he going to say? I, I uh, deliberately focused on Trump because they were pressuring me for not doing enough, it, like the way he did with uh, with the stuff that he did earlier. I mean, uh, when he did the insurrection, remember they criticized him for no insurrection charge, so he charged some kind of a strange espionage thing, which was kind of ridiculous. The seditious conspiracy. Yeah, You're but that right. came after. That came after. Some kind of big Democratic meeting where they just lambasted him for no insurrection charges. He does seem like a really wimpy guy who would cave to pressure. I think, I think he's a, the, just the exact opposite of what you want in an attorney general. Just the opposite of what you think you'd get in a federal judge that you put there. I remember I worked for a federal judge one of my two times there, Edward Levy. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Harold Tyler, who was in the Southern District of New York. And he was straight as an arrow. He was a Republican appointed by Eisenhower. But uh, I don't even think he ever cared if you were a Democrat or a Republican. If it was a case, you know, if it was policy matter, sure, we work with the Republicans. Edward Levy, the same thing. The, the whole idea of making a distinction between a Democrat and a Republican was, was not was completely out of my mind. 
you know, there were not very long ago and kind of a commonly held understanding of what was right, what was wrong. You know, I was reminded today, Bill Clinton, who is governor of Arkansas, do you know what he stood up and said? No, you're not doing this federal government. You're not sending Haitian immigrants into my state who are here illegally. You're not sending to, sending them to Arkansas to house them yes, while yes, you guys yes, figure yes. it out. And Jimmy Carter, you know, tried to force the issue, and they had a, uh, I guess they had a compromise. Yeah. But back then, I, I mean, was, there's a the major Democrats saying you can't do this. What are we doing now? We're flying uh, illegal immigrants all over the country, right. and you can't say anything right. about it. Actually, what Carter did was he picked two states, a Republican and a Democrat, and he put the Haitians in Arkansas, Democrat, Pennsylvania, Republican, Dick Thornburg. And when, and when uh, uh, Clinton went to him and said, I'm going to lose, I'm getting killed here. Was, this is the only time Clinton lost an election. Carter said, I'm sorry, you've got to accept it. I made a bipartisan compromise. Dick Thornburg's complaining, too, and I'm telling him to go to hell. <laughs> so I'm telling you too, and the two men have hated each other since then. Hated each other. When I was running, uh, when I was going to run against the Senate uh, for, for Hillary, Jimmy Carter uh, organized a 1,000 home that he was going to build in Harlem, so I could come there right in the middle of the campaign and break ground. Because he, <laughs> I mean, that was it, they never, never, ever really talked to each other after that. That's wild. And that's true. Clinton, people forget, he ran and won at age 32 in and 1978, he and he lost two years later. It was he only blamed a it on Carter. Term. He blamed it on Carter, dumping them in, what was it, Indian Town? I forgot if, if Pennsylvania was Indian Town Gap or that was. But it was, a, it was a big fort, and they kept escaping from the fort and coming into town and creating. This was the Mariolitos. It was the, uh, the Mariolitos that, that uh, Castro sent in mm-hmm. when Carter announced, pretty much like when when Biden said, you can surge to the border. Yeah. They all yeah. came. To the, he said, you can send anybody from Cuba. And Castro said that. Anybody? There go my insane asylums. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. So how is um, how do we think Trump is doing right now? I talked to him uh, that night, uh, waited a little. I know he stays up late and just gave him uh, a talk as a friend. I mean, it wasn't a legal talk or anything. I just said, uh, everybody understands what's going on now. These people lie so much. Only only the brainwashed think there's anything to this. Can I ask you about that? Actually, it's one thing I've always wanted to ask the president, but I haven't. His daily routines. I just learned from you. He's a bit of a night owl. What? When does he get up? What does he eat? What are his daily routines? What is he like, you know? Well, I don't know if he has much of a breakfast, to tell you the truth. Uh, sometimes some, I've seen him with some cereal sometimes, very often no breakfast. Uh, when you play golf with him, I mean, he eats hamburgers and hot dogs for, uh, for lunch. And when he was in the white house, they'd make him a good lunch. And that was the best time in the white house. When I travel with him as a candidate, I remember telling my security guy, Bo Wagner, cause we had to take five months and just be with him. And Bo had to basically leave his family for five months. And I said, but I'll tell you one thing, Bo got a great plane. We're going to get great food. You know, on those private planes, they give you great food. First day we're there, we have lunch. They bring in Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Great food. What's for dinner? Pizza. <laughs> Good no, he stuff. had a terrible diet. I think it improved when he became uh, when he became when he became president. He also has endless energy. Uh, t- you're riding back to New York at one in the morning, and he's working on the next three days. Now, uh, hey, hey, Mayor, what do you think we should do on Thursday? Uh, you, I could call him Donald, then. I would say, Donald, it's only Monday. Yeah, yeah, we've got to plan ahead. Have you ever seen him sleep? Like in the back of like, you know, like, a plane? Like, uh, take, a, take a nap. A little bit. Rarely. Rarely. I've seen him sleep 
when we were traveling uh, on the campaign, I could I would see him doze off for about three, four minutes, five minutes. Then he'd come right back, and occasionally he'd go in his room, lock the door, and presumably sleep. But no one ever knew if he was or wasn't. Hey, I hope you're working on another book. But um, listen, we I, I'm I, I'm leaving. You're staying. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Yeah, we'll talk a lot about this, Attorney General. It's very very disappointing yeah. from an alumni of the Justice Department. So glad you're making the case. We'll be right. Uh, be back soon. I'll see you tonight at ten.